Well, good morning. It's, uh, it's always great for me to be in the Lord's house. I love coming here on Sunday mornings and worshiping with you. Well, this morning we're going to be in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 1 to 4, and we're going to continue on our series called Family Matters. And I think what we've seen so far is this, that God has a good design for the family. That design has been purposeful as we have seen. That design reflects Christ's nature with His church. So we've seen that in our time together the past couple of weeks. We've seen also that this good design is meant for our sanctification. It's meant for our growth. It's meant to help us to grow into Christ's likeness. And we've also seen that God's good design for the family, as we grow in Christ's likeness, it is for our joy. It is for our ultimate fulfillment in the Lord. And I think what we're going to see this morning is this, that God has given us a great design, a good design for our kids as well, and that design is going to be purposeful, sanctifying, and for our joy as well. So what I'm going to do here this morning is I'm going to read, I'm going to pray for us, but I'm also going to kind of keep in line with what Tanner has presented, uh, the three Ps. I'm going to give you the picture the scripture presents of why children matter. And then I'm going to give you the problem, okay? So what sin has done, how it's corrupted our nature. And then I want to give you the prescription to that. And so uh, if you have your Bibles or if you don't, there should be one in the pew in front of you. We're going to be Ephesians chapter 6 starting in verse 1. It says this. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. What is that promise? That it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Pray with me. Father, we come before your presence this morning begging and pleading, God, that we would see you, that we would know you, God, that we would experience this great design that you've had for us, God, and that we would be a people who would uh, not only see it, but experience it, God, and experience the joy that comes from it. So God, help me to get out of the way this morning. Would you speak through me, a broken, empty vessel? Would you speak through me, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's be honest, raising children is hard. And I'll be also honest with you, being a child in today's day and age is also hard with all the temptations and all the things that go on. Several years ago, I met a young man by the name of Andrew. Uh, Andrew, his family and him did not go to church, but I met Andrew through his aunt, who I actually worked with at a church. And so I met Andrew, and uh, immediately I wanted to introduce Andrew to the gospel, I wanted to introduce Andrew to community. So what I did was I took Andrew and I introduced him to some other friends who were uh, a part of a youth group, and, uh, and Andrew got connected. He fit in well. As a matter of fact, Andrew started coming around every single week. He started coming and enjoying the things that we were doing. But I could always tell with Andrew, he is this kind of double life that he was trying to live. He was living with one foot in and one foot 
out. And I knew that because I would hear others talk about Andrew and the things that he would say at school and how it was so different from the things he was saying at youth group. And I also knew that because I could see just from his own actions. And kids, I don't know if you know this, but sometimes you whisper things and you think we can't hear you. We hear you. Your parents hear you. Uh, And so Andrew was living like this. Well, we take our kids, at a previous job, we take our kids to Tanner's old stomping grounds, the mountains of West Virginia. We take these Floridian kids who don't see snow, don't know cold, and we take them all the way up during winter to go skiing in West Virginia. And they have a blast. It is awesome. I mean, you get to see these kids go giddy over snow. And, and most of it's honestly, honestly man-made, and it's more like ice than snow. But they don't care. I mean, they're out there making ice angels or whatever it is. Uh, but we're there. We're having fun. We're skiing. We're snowboarding. We're tubing. We're doing all of these awesome things. And one of these young ladies comes up to me, and she says, Patrick, i got to tell you something. I say, okay, what's going on? She said, Patrick, um, I want you to know that I overheard some people talking and somebody has drugs here. One of of the students has drugs. I said, okay, well, that's not good. I said, well, who is it? And she said, I don't want to be the snitch. I looked at her and I said, I understand. I understand. But I want you to know that you're not being a snitch. What you're doing is the most loving thing that you can do because what this person or what these people have done is they've brought a distraction. We have come here to know Jesus. We have come here to learn about our Lord and our Savior. And someone's coming in and they're distracting us from that. And it's the most loving thing that you can do to help me remove that distraction. You can help me love this student well, whoever it is, so that they can know Jesus too. She said, okay, it's Andrew. And I said, okay, I appreciate that, thank you. And I, and I got together a team, an investigation team of an elder that happened to be on the trip with us and another counselor. What we did, it, was, it wasn't just Andrew, it was several other students. And we brought these students in one by one and we went through their luggage and we found the illegal substances that, uh, that had been talked about. And, and I knew, based on our policy at the church, that, uh, that this meant that this kid could no longer be a part of what we were doing here on this camp. He had to go home. And so I called Andrew in, and I said, Andrew, I want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that I've got bad news, and it is hard for me to even tell you this. But you have to go home, and I have to notify your parents of what's happened here. I said, you can take this one of two ways, Andrew. You can either get mad, and, and I could kind of tell from the facial expressions on his, mouth, uh, his face that he wasn't enjoying the things that I was saying, as we can all imagine. I said, you can take this information, and you can stiff arm me, and you can come, and you're not kicked out of youth group, you're not kicked out of the church, you just can't be a part of what we're doing here right now. And so you can take that and stiff arm me if you would like, or... What I'm going to plead with you on here is this, that you would see this as God's loving embrace in your life. You would see this as an opportunity because God is calling you. He's saying, come to me, Andrew. I have designed you to worship me. I have designed you for a very specific reason. And I want you to see this as the love of God grabbing you on the shoulders and shaking you and saying, I'm better. Don't settle for created things, Andrew, when you can have the creator. Don't settle, Andrew. And that's what I pleaded with him. 
And then he went home. I think our text this morning, God is pleading with us. He's pleading with us to accept the good design that God has for the family. And specifically this morning, the good design God has for you as children. Or for parents, for your children in general. God's pleading with us. But the problem is this. That we so often make ourselves and we so often forget that God has this glorious vision that he has for the family. We forget. We become self-centered. And so again, this morning, I want to start by giving you the picture that Scripture presents, starting here in verse 1. So the very first thing I want to share is this. The very first part of the picture is this. Children, you are called, and don't miss the adjective here, you are called to joyfully obey your parents in the Lord. Let me say that again. Children, you are called to joyfully obey your parents in the Lord. The Lord. Where do I get that from? Starting in verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. There it is. Uh, It says, for this is right. And what Paul's doing here is he's saying, children, obey your parents. Joyfully obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. We know this is right just based on the nature of things is really what Paul's getting at here. We We can parse it out like this. Theologians talk about general and special revelation. General revelation is based on the nature of things. So what Paul is saying here is we know this is right. We can literally look out at the animal kingdom, right? And we can see how the animals, the the little ones will, will go to their parents and will find protection in their parents. They find nourishment. They find some sort of discipleship in their parents. The parents will protect their little one. Matter of fact, you, can, you don't have to look in the animal kingdom. You can look at humans, even atheistic communities. They understand this point, that children matter. They understand children, you shall be obedient to your parents. And don't forget the adjective that I added, joyfully obedient to your parents. But it's in the Lord. And I think that in the Lord is so important. Because I think that in the Lord tells us that that obedience is not only to our parents, but it's to Christ himself. We must be obedient in the Lord, to God himself. But also that in the Lord, and I want to say this to, and kids, I want, to hear you say, hear, uh, I want you to know this. You're called to obedience, to joyful obedience to Christ in the things of the Lord. If you ever feel like somebody's calling you to do something, that is contrary to nature, that is contrary to what you feel like is godly, that you feel like this is out of bounds. It could be spiritual, it could be physical, it could be an emotional thing. If you feel like that you are being abused in any single way that is outside of the bounds of being in the Lord, it is your duty and requirement to not only disobey, but to tell somebody else about it. Okay? You are only required to be obedient and joyfully obedient to the things of God. Now, this doesn't mean if your mom and dad ask you to clean your room that you're like, all right, my parents are abusive to me. They're making me clean my room. Okay, that's not what I'm referring to. I'm referring to things that are more considered abuses. Okay, if you feel like there is something that's outside the bounds of what God has ordained, it is your responsibility tell somebody about it. So that's the first point, is that children, you are to joyfully obey your parents as if you are obeying Christ. Because when you do, 
you actually are obeying Christ. Second point is this. Raising godly children requires discipline and instruction. That's the second picture we see here. Let me say it a different way. Raising children who will glory in God. Raising children who are going to walk with Jesus for a lifetime. Raising, uh, raising children who are going to become warriors for the Lord. Disciples for Christ. Who will fall head over heels in love with Jesus. Requires both discipline and instruction. Um, growing up as a young man, I think all kids probably do this. Uh, I used to uh, kind of pester my parents. I know you don't believe that. Uh, I used to pester my parents with uh, questions. Uh, some of them were good questions, some of them were bad. I remember uh, we had a pool, and I would look at the pool deck, and I'd be like, Mom, can I climb up on the roof? Because this deck is like perfect, the ceiling of this roof is like perfectly over the pool, where I can like jump off of it and do like a cool flip or something into the pool, right? And my mom would be like, no. And I'd be like, why not? I'm eight years old, Mom. You don't think, I've been walking since I was like six months or whatever it was. You don't think I got this by now? And she's like, well, what if you miss? What if you hit your head on the bottom? What if you jump too far or too short? What if you get killed? Mom, I got this. No, Patrick, you can't do that. And I said, okay. Well, eventually I, I would ask enough questions, question after question. Most of them weren't good questions, to be honest with you. Some of them were. But what I heard after I wore her down was this, from her and my dad. I would say, can I do whatever it is? And I, she would say, no. And I would ask that question, why not? You know what she would say? Because I said so. <laughs> because I said so. Now, while that's not a terrible answer, I mean, there's some respect and authority that goes with that answer, right? I think what Paul is getting at here in, uh, in chapter 6, specifically verse 4, we're going to look at, I think goes beyond. When he talks about discipline and instruction of the Lord, I think he wants us to get beyond because I said so. I think he wants us to raise our kids up, to ascend our kids up into a glorious vision of who Christ is. We need to give them more. It says this, verse 4, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but raise them up, ascend them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. What Paul's saying here is this, fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. What he means is this, fathers, when you say no to your child, don't just do it unnecessarily. Don't just say, because I said so. Don't just do it for your own convenience. But when you say no, do it in this glorious vision of bringing them up in the discipline and in the instruction of God, which really brings me to my third point uh, that I want to say here, which is this. We must raise our children up with, and ourselves up with a passion for the glory of God. I think that's what Paul's saying here. When you say no, when your child says, hey, can I have Snapchat? When they, when they come to you and they ask you that, don't just say no because I said so. Say, I love you. And you can't have Snapchat because I love you. Because Snapchat is by very nature is something that is made for you to hide and be devious with. It's something by its very nature was created for that kind of thing. And I love you so much 
that I'm going to tell you no. Because truth is valuable. Because I don't want to sow these things into your life. Because if I do, what those things are going to reproduce in you are things like envy and jealousy. All the negative fruits that come with the flesh. And because I love you, I'm going to say no. Because I want to raise you up into this glorious vision of the, of the Lord, it says. It says, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the curios. Of the Lord is what it says. Of the curios is the Greek word there. And who is this Lord? This is the, the rightful king of the universe. This is the Lord of lords. This is the king of kings. This is the commander of the armies of heaven. We're calling you up, child. We're bringing each other up. We're calling each other up in this great vision. Philippians 2, verses 9-11 through says it like this. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, the him being Jesus. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is, at the, the, the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven, on the earth, and under the earth, every single knee will bow. And every single tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the curios. He is the Lord. He is the Lord. And we must raise our kids up seeing that great vision of every knee bowing, of every single tongue confessing. And we must help them to see in our discipline and instruction that he is this great king worth worshiping. He is this great king worth knowing. And we go to church so that we can know this great king. That is the design that we are called to to disciple up our kids to love God more than they love anything. To know God more than they know anything. So what's the problem? The problem is that we don't passionately pursue God. The problem is that we put ourselves at the center of our vision. And so we make things greater than the Creator. We make created things better than the creature we make the gifts that God has made greater than the God who made them. We make things like youth sports king. You know, we make things like we're, we're so passionate when we go to the ball fields and we're yelling and we're screaming, and that's my kid, and yay! And then we get to church and we're dead. We get to church and there's no passion. We don't talk about the things of God. There's no passion for the glory of God in our lives. There's nothing wrong with youth sports, by the way. Let me just be clear. Uh, I hope my kids, which are not in here, uh, participate in extracurricular activities. Uh, but when we make God smaller than things like youth sports, when we make God smaller than things like grades, you know, um, there's nothing wrong with grades. May I encourage all of our students to do as well as you can. But when, when whether or not you keep your 4.0 if you feel like eternity hinges on that, then it's probably become an idol for you. Matter of fact, if you make a B on your test and it's the worst day you've had and, you've, and you're not even thinking through about you know, any of the things of God and you make a B on a test and it's just like crushing you, then you've probably made an idol in your life of grades. And so we're not living for a passionate glory of who God is. We're, we're living for things that God has made rather than the maker. So that's one of the problems. Another problem 
that I see is that we don't discipline or instruct our kids. Or if we do discipline and instruct our kids, we do it with us at the center or with them at the center. And we do it, uh, we do it for our convenience. And so a lot of people think, you know, I don't want to discipline and instruct my kids, especially in spiritual things. That's what the church is for. The church is designed to come alongside of families, not to replace families in the spiritual development of kids, okay? I, as a youth uh, director, can never be the primary discipler of your kid. I want to be as good as I can be. I want to come alongside of you. I want to encourage you as families. I want to encourage our kids. I want to point them to Jesus. With all of my heart, that's what I want to do. But they will learn more from you, and you're discipling them whether you know it or not. And what you're discipling them in is really the question that we're asking. But you are discipling them, and it's our responsibility as a church to come alongside of you and to help you. But so many people are not instructing and disciplining their kids in the Lord. Or if they are instructing and disciplining their kids, they often do it with a vision of themselves. And let me tell you, I fail at this all of the time. Okay, So I am preaching to myself here more than anybody else. You know, if I'm had a long day and I get home and my kids are, you know, going crazy as they always do in the evenings, you know, I'll, I'll get mad and I'll say, go to your room. Why? Because you're driving daddy crazy. It's not because you've offended the God who made you. And so what do my kids hear in that sort of discipline? What they hear is this. Well, discipline's not made to give me this grand vision of who God is. This discipline is, why is daddy mad at you? Oh, uh, because he wants to watch TV and be left alone. Or because he wants to do whatever. Not because he wants to raise me up into this glorious vision. Because he wants me to know the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I want my kids to know when I do something, I want to raise them up and instruct them up and discipline them up so that they would know Jesus not known how to not offend daddy. But the problem is our discipline and our instruction is self-centered. We do things that are convenient for us. So what is the prescription to these things? Well, the prescription uh, first and foremost is this, that children, I encourage you, parents, I encourage you to make the joy of the glory of God central in your life. Make that joy, that passion for God, make that center. Nothing else can compare. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, we do it what? We do it all for the glory of God. We do it all because we have this great passion. And so when we do things like we give our money, we talk to our kids why we give our money, when we, when we, whatever it is that we're doing, that we're partaking in life, and if we see our kids on the ball field and they're getting angry about things, we discipline them, instruct them in this great vision because we want to bring everything, the way we play baseball, the way we have our grades, how well we do, you know, we want to bring all of this under the submission of knowing Christ and making him known. I want you to know Jesus in every area of your life. Another part of prescription that I have for us this morning is this. I want you to regularly come and regularly hunger for the means of grace. What is that? Means of grace are the means or the channels by which God dispenses His grace. 
God flows out His grace. Now, grace by definition is something that you and I cannot earn, okay? And so, knowing God in every area of our life, we have to have God's grace to do that. We need the blood of Jesus to do that, okay? But there are these avenues, these means, these channels by which God has promised that He flows grace, what are those means? Well, we can look at uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 48. It says this. It says, and they devoted themselves, they being the early church, they devoted themselves to what? The apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. And it goes on, after they devoted themselves to these things, it goes on to say this. What they're doing there is this. They're devoting themselves to knowing God through all of those avenues. These avenues that God has given us to know Him by. They're devoting their time and their energy and their passions. They're saying, I want Jesus. I hunger for Jesus. And so I come to God's Word. I come to the Bible. And I say, Lord, don't let me check it off a list today. Let me know you. Let me experience you. Let me hunger and thirst for you. And so, God, I pray, meet me here. Meet me here in these things. We, we come to the church, we come to the community, and we do the very same things. So we come to these means of grace, and we hunger, and we ask God to dispense His grace to us through these means of which He's promised to do it by. And so regularly, I beg you, come to these means of grace. And so in Acts 2.42, as they came, and as they hungered for the glory of God, what does it say? It says, all came upon every one of them. As they saw the glory of God, they were changed. It says all. They were floored by that glory. All came upon every single one of them. It says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Nothing miraculous about coming to church. But when you come, and you come hungry, and you show up expecting God to do big things and great things, He often does. I can't tell you how many times I've been depressed or been feeling down and I come to God's word or it's a hymn or it's a song or it's just laying before the Lord in prayer. These means of grace that God meets me in and he ascends me up as his child. He ascends me up to see him in a new and a fresh way. We must come hungry. And the last prescription I have here, and this is particularly big for our parents, I think, um, something I've had to learn to do and I'm still learning to do. Learn to say you're sorry. Those are powerful words. I'm sorry. Daddy messed up today. I yelled at you and I was being selfish. Can we pray together? And can we, can we ask God to change Daddy's heart too? Because Daddy needs Jesus just as much as he talks about him. Say you're sorry. Whether you're a kid in here, whether you're a parent in here, be willing to repent. Confess your sins. And as you do, turn away from it. And view the glory of God together with your children. Say you're sorry. I told you earlier about Andrew. Andrew left, and I didn't hear from him for over a year. He didn't come back to youth. He, he got mad, and every time I tried to call him, he'd never answer. 
It wasn't until I moved here, actually, to Bartow, that I got a phone call one day from Andrew. Andrew said, hey, man, how are you doing? I said, I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? He said, I just want to tell you that I love you, and that I really appreciate what you did for me. I want you to know that I gave my life to Christ. I want you to know that God's glory is the center of my life now. I want you to know that I want to know him more than I want to know anything else. And God's good design, God's good purpose for us raising up our children is that they would know God and make him known. That we would be sanctified through it and that we would experience joy beyond measure. And so let's pray to close. And um, yeah, I don't know if we're inviting people back up, but let me pray. Father, I love you. God, there's nothing in this world that matters to me more than knowing you and making you known. God, in my heart is I want to make that known to our church, to our children, to my children, to all of those around us. So you've given us this glorious picture, God. This glorious picture that children are called to joyfully obey because their parents love them, because their parents are laying down their lives for them. You give us this glorious picture of raising up our children in this amazing vision. And that vision is that you are king and that you are the rightful king of the world. And there's nothing better than knowing you. So I pray that we would be a church that would direct our kids that way. Pray that I would be a dad who would love my kids that way and we'd love our kids well. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.